So obviously want to talk about the new music, get into the House of Blues Anaheim show and get your opinion on a couple things. But uh, let's start off with the new tunes and Rotoscope and the new Rotoscope EP. And kind of curious, was this leftover material from the Eternal Blue album or new tunes written throughout the pandemic? Um, it was stuff that we wrote in December of 2021. So we... It had nothing to do with any Eternal Blue stuff. It's all stuff that we wrote. Honestly, just it feels like a couple months ago. So it was it, it was very, and it was also very like spur of the moment. We found ourselves really feeling inspired to write some new stuff, and um, kind of just put like a little blip in the the Eternal Blue, you know, rollout to kind of show that we are kind of moving on to some other stuff because um, Eternal Blue is took a really long time to write. So some of those songs are like three years old or more now. So we just wanted to show kind of what we were, what we're leaning towards and just what was inspiring us right now. Kind of the evolution. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's just, it's really cool to be able to put out music when you feel compelled and not be like, not be beholden to, you know, pattern and it must be done this way. I just, I really appreciate the flexibility because it's just, you know, ultimately that's the whole point is we just, I think most musicians just really don't care about like marketing and stuff. We just really <laughs> like the connection part. That's why we all love playing live. We love the human connection part. And we're just like, we're overwhelmingly just obsessed with making music. So I, I really like this as like a testament to our everyone on our team just being down to be like flexible with us. I love it. It was kind of like out of nowhere. Like, whoa, wait, wait, they got an EP, they got new music. And I wonder, Yeah. you said you're not into the marketing, but I was kind of curious if it's more of like an EP philosophy from here on out versus the album. Are you still down to do kind of both? No, I, I love both of them. It's just one is going to be a much more, much more of a effort of labor and just logistically it's going to take time. It's like the, the meme, you know, the why not both meme. I think we can both have that next big body of work on the horizon that we want to work towards as a goal. But instead of just having an off year where we don't release any music and just release albums, I kind of like having it all or at least having the choice to do that. And then if we want to, we we do. And I, I think we might even make some more songs and release some more music this year. Again, it's always just like if it feels right by the time we're done with, with creating the music. I love it, keeping us on, on our toes as fans. And, you know, I'm really digging the new EP and kind of, I don't know, maybe because I'm a big fan, but it feels to have like that Nine Inch Nails kind of moodiness vibe to it compared to Eternal Blue. I agree. I, I think I think overall it it's the guitar. You know, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's the, the way that it's being played. It's just like the Michael is just, I feel like he just is playing a little less like, choking up the guitar and having it be like that bouncy gent feel on these songs. And it's a lot more um, like that open, you know, soaring guitar that I liken to all the, like the nineties alternative rock that I think a lot of us really connected with when we were in our youth. Yeah. Very like ambient, almost kind of like noisy sounds Mm -hmm. rather than, yeah, like you said, like a chugging riff or anything like that. Yeah. And like, we obviously we love, we love it all, but that, I don't know, I just how sad and like melancholy that sounds is really calling to us at the time. Like we just we there's just something really captivating about it to us to to try to create. 
especially the times we're living in right now. I think we're all feeling that to some degree, especially in December when you guys were writing it. Oh, yeah. It definitely feels very rainy. You know, where we live, it's pretty much sunlight out for like one hour a day and, and it's just constantly raining the whole time. So it's that it feels like the Pacific Northwest in November, December, definitely. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, one more one more uh, thing to touch on ma- making that Nine Inch Nails uh, reference. Uh, imagine you're a fan of the band, right? Oh, yeah. So I have this little uh, this little debate I get into all the time. It started with my wife and I, because we're both Nine Inch Nails fans too, but come down on office, opposite sides of the coin. If you had to pick between one or the other, you know, A or B, Pretty Hate Machine, their first album versus the second album, Downward Spiral, where would you fall in that? Mm, I think Downward Spiral because it it feels like more like it just feels like the step up to me as far as like from the from for a full album listening experience it feels like this autobiography of someone descending into darkness and so i think i i just maybe even the last six months listened to both of those back to back like at the gym or something i was just very i don't know i just really love the narrative of their second album it just feels almost kind of like conceptual because it it like totally sets up trent reznor being great at like scoring films and stuff yeah very. it feels very theatrical to me yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say very cinematic almost like it it should be Mm -hmm. a soundtrack for a movie and i knew that's why i loved you because that's where i come down on it too my wife a little bit more in the old school pretty hate machine and that was her introduction but i almost feel like with that album as great as it is it's all kind of in one vein on one kind of keyboard where there's so many different textures and sounds and styles and some brutally heavy guitars and stuff on downward spiral compared to pretty hate machine. You're right. It, it is like, it is actually like, it is super heavy. Like even if it's not like the tuning of it, it's really heavy riff on that. Especially in the mid nineties when it wasn't as cool to be that heavy. I mean, Trent just doubled down on, I mean, March of the pigs and some of that stuff is phenomenally fast, but yeah, even some of those guitars are real thick. Yeah. And, and also just like you were saying the, um, the sounds, like the production sounds are just like, it feels like that progression that you want in a band that's succeeding and, and, and climbing. And it just feels like a bigger, to me, like a bigger investment. It feels like an artist that like finally didn't have to worry about their nine to five and want to spend every dollar, every dime on making their album as cool and amazing and to kind of it's like still timeless sounding to me even yeah. though it has because when do you do you know off the top of your head when that came out 94 like what year 94 94 like it, it for being from that time the the it, it still has a pretty timeless sound it still has that like reverb like crunchy sound that like all the you know all those bands had at that time it's still to me like i you know i i, I think i've only listened to the remastered version of it recently but it still sounds very relevant to me. Do you have a favorite tune off of that album? I think that like Closer is the sickest song ever made. <laughs> That's on Downward Spiral, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I just think that it's the whole intro to that song is like, I feel like my goal for making a, a song, like it's like a prog dance song. Like every single bar, a new weird layer is, is added. And so the whole intro of that song is like God tier to me. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. And I appreciate you uh, pitching in on the debate. And I can't wait to tell my wife that, hey, Courtney agrees with me, not you, honey. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had to, it was, it's funny that you asked about that because I weirdly, uh, I weirdly listened to the, both of them back to back all at once. I just was, we were going to be playing a show with them, so like a festival. So I just was like, oh, I want to like re-familiarize myself with their older stuff. Uh, there, because especially because there was that really amazing song exploder episode that that did you ever see that on Netflix? Like they did the the hurt one with Trent oh, Reznor, and yeah, it was so yeah. cool. So I re-listened to the to both of those, and I just was like, so they kind of are blurring into one for me, but I because <laughs> it, it's so fresh in my mind, I'm like, yeah, that um, that second one just had was like a step up. Yeah, for sure. And, and and in his defense, too, I, the, I'm sure the technology was a lot better in 94 compared to, like, I think the first album was 88 or 89. So I'm yeah. sure technology was a lot better then. Oh, yeah. Well, I got I to gotta compliment you on one other thing, and it just kind of baffles the mind. I mean, you guys were just at getting into the, the show we have coming up at the House of Blues of Anaheim. You guys were just there opening for Under Oath along with Bad Omens a few months ago. And now you're headlining at that same venue, and and in advance you've already sold it out. That's insane. It usually takes a band like a decade to do that to go from yeah. opening at a venue to headlining at a venue like the House of Blues or whatever venue. But you're doing it on months apart and one album, your debut album. It's insane. I'm so I'm so happy about that. Every time we do these things. You know, like, it's just always what, it, like, let's just see what happens. You know, let's just see what happens if we do it. So the next step for me is, okay, well, let's see what happens if we book a full tour. And so, you know, there's people that are, there's people coming to this that are probably driving and flying and stuff. Let's see what happens if we book those same types of places. And there's not going to be that group of people that's coming from afar. You know, they're, they, they can see us in their city. So that's like the next, it's always, it's always like the next step. It like gives you confidence to book the next step, like to go to the next thing. So this is giving us so much confidence to book a headliner and then also, you know, to go on tour with Mastodon and Ghost the following day. It's going to give us a lot. I think it'll give us a lot of confidence because, you know, that's going to be intimidating. And I think that very few people think about what it's like to, um, be the opening band in, on an arena tour because it's it's a different vibe, you know. Like there's people getting their hot dogs and and <laughs> texting and stuff while you're like singing your heart out. So like I feel like this is gonna really give us a lot of confidence for that, and it's just a really special moment. It's kind of gonna be like the climax of our playing this year, you know, as far as like us looking out and knowing that everyone is most likely there to see you, you know, instead of that, what we normally go, I wonder if anyone here <laughs> knows us, you know? <laughs> so I'm so excited to see, I keep wanting to learn, like, what is our fan base? What are they like live when it's just them? Like, what are they like in this environment? How do they interact with each other? And I, so far I'm loving what I'm seeing when we do headliners. Well, I'm also looking forward to you guys uh, breaking in Josh Gilbert. And, and I'm kind of curious, was that from back in the As I Lay Dying days that you know him? Or I know he does like a lot of songwriting and production kind of behind the scenes stuff now. But yeah, how did yeah, you meet up never, with him? We never met him before. So we needed someone to play bass for our tour in Europe and we needed somebody quick. And our manager, Jason, he used to 
manage as I lay dying uh, a long time ago, maybe like, I don't know, like 12 years ago or something. And he started as like their merch guy and, and, and went up to tour manage and so on. And so he just always talked and raved about this guy. And I'm like, okay, like, sure, I'll meet the guy. And, <laughs> and Michael, my husband went out, he went out first to meet him. Cause I was like, I don't know. I don't, I like, what's up with this guy? I want to, what's he about? You know, I got a chip on my shoulder. I'm like, what's up with this guy? And then, so Michael goes and meets him. And then just like after five minutes, he texts me and he's like, you have to get down here and meet this guy. He is so cool. Like, you're going to love him. And I was like, oh my God, okay. And I was like in the middle of getting ready to go record. And I was like, okay, I'll go meet him. And then we met him and I was just like, oh my, I see why Jason has been annoying me so much about meeting this guy because he just really understands us and he's a really great guy. And obviously he's an amazing bass player and singer, but to me, more importantly to me was that I knew that we would mesh with him. And then, you know, first we, we finally got to practice a couple of weeks later and it just sounds awesome. He's just very talented and he has a lot of experience about he has a 15 year career in the, the professional music industry that we've never experienced. And um, so he has so much advice about what to do and what not to do, which is arguably just as important. Yeah. So yeah, he, it's, it's been really great getting to know him. We are loving playing music with him and he's a great guy. We had a wonderful time, you know, living in a van together in Europe and we're looking forward to in a couple of weeks, we're going to get back together to meet up and, practice for our for our headline show and for our tour that we're opening for ghost love it and i do want to give a shout out to the other bands on the bill at the house of blues that night also day seeker and brand of sacrifice too i'm so excited to see both of their bands because our producer dan he's been working with day seeker you know as, as long as he's been working with us i think and so we have that little connection there always rooting for those guys and and they just crushed it on their headlining tour recently so i'm so excited i've never gone to see them live before and then brand of sacrifice same thing like they're just incredible live i cannot wait to to see it i'm gonna i, I gotta get everything done early that day so i can just camp out right in front of house and watch everybody play <laughs> love it can't wait to see all three bands that night and i appreciate the time courtney and the last thing i wanted to bug you with uh, we're one of those old school radio stations we bow down every night at 10 p.m to metallica mandatory metallica and kind of curious for you i'm sure you're a metallica fan do you remember what your introduction to the band was I think that mine was like the, the stereotypical, you know, person my age. I was born in 1989 I, and I, I didn't really get into metal music till my late teens. And so I think mine was that classic, like what was played on the modern rock radio. So my, that was my introduction was, you know, black album stuff. And then also when I was a teenager, though, I just remember like St. Anger coming out was like a cultural moment. And even though I wasn't in the metal community as like a, you know, a 13 year old at the time, it was a time where like modern rock radio stations were playing a lot of, you know, stuff that would be considered heavy metal music, you know, whether it was like, I don't know. So, you know, stuff that had like screaming in it, like you'd hear like Breaking Benjamin and in like Chevelle and, and like that, that kind of stuff. So I remember, you know, people freaking out about that album and all the, the drama of it and, and everything. So, so, but I think I had that, it was just anyway, long winded answer to be like, just like most people my age, it was like enter Sandman and, and, and nothing else matters and, and that kind of stuff. 
that was my introduction. But the first time that I, I thought of something being heavy was like sad, but true. So yeah. that, I think I had like the typical Metallica pedigree upbringing. It's funny you mentioned Saint Anger because yeah, that was such like a, a big and kind of controversial album at the time because uh, Lars had borrowed that uh, Venge Sevenfold snare drum, that the, the trash yeah, can the snare drum. Yeah, yeah, that piccolo. The piccolo. Yeah, and I remember, I just remember being like, you know, I was like thirteen, so I'm like, these guys are pretty cool because they say the f word in the song and it's at a prison, <laughs> and, and I remember there was a dude with a fake leg and he was like holding it up in the crowd in the video. So I was like, as a thirteen year old, I was like, this is pretty cool. Is are cool that's they're, they're gonna go far <laughs> <laughs> and lastly do you want to pick a, a metallica tune for mandatory metallica let's go with battery oh going way old school i mean to me that's yeah. their masterpiece is master of puppets that album's flawless i got to see them play recently um like last year and um that song you know they had fire going during it and stuff live and they were shredding it was awesome i i've been really enjoying listening to that song a lot more than i have in the last couple of years. Like I just, I keep finding myself going back to that one to battery. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the time and can't wait to see you (laughs) at at the house of blues. And I'm so looking forward to that show. Thank you. And we really appreciate your guys support. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a really fun, special night. And I think it's, I think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be like a core memory. I just have a feel, you know what I mean? It's like a core memory for us as a band. So I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you so much for the time. Safe travels out there and best of luck on the road. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at Mike Z 967 And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m. to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.